Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. All right, we're going to start out very appropriately on Palm Sunday. Hosanna! Um, if you would open up your Bibles to um, Matthew 21. I'm just going to start reading. Verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her, and loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately... He will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the multitude who went before and those followed, crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. So Hosanna, I want you to imagine, it says that the multitude went before Jesus and went behind Jesus, and it was like a big praise party. Like, I can't do justice of it. We're talking a big, exciting moment, maybe Super Bowl kind of thing, yelling, screaming, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna in the highest. They were saying, save us, save us, save us. And see, the beautiful thing is, is that we know the end of the story. They didn't know. And they were getting ready to experience one of the greatest disappointments they'd ever known. And I feel like today the Lord says he wants to deal with some disappointment. Who's ready? So Hosanna says, oh, save, bring the victory, Lord. They were recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. When they said son of David, they were declaring, even if they, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't imagine, but I think some were just getting caught up in the moment. Have you ever been caught up in the moment where everybody's just really excited and you don't really know what we're excited about, but we're just excited? They were saying, save us, O son of David. They were declaring, expecting Jesus immediately to overthrow the Roman government. That's what they thought was going to happen. They were expecting, the king is here, and now he's going to establish his rule and reign. Little did they know that he was getting ready to be that lamb sacrificed 
so that it wasn't just removing a Roman government, but establishing the kingdom of God government for all eternity for you and for me. He came, but he didn't come as they expected him. He saved, but they didn't, he didn't save as they expected him. How many times, if we're honest with ourselves, has God done differently what you thought he was going to do? Yeah. And that disappointment can be a really big thing. I'm so, I had notes, like, even during worship, God was just, like, downloading. And I'm going to just be honest with you. This message has probably been um, probably one of the, um, it's just been a war. I think because of what God's doing. is he's been surfacing disappointment in my heart that he wants to set free and heal. And he's been speaking to me. He said, Eliza, many of my children are living in a safe zone while they're still praising my name. That's what happens when we get disappointed, when we believe that it doesn't turn out like what we thought. Then we begin to go, oh, I don't know if I want to really have that kind of hope again. And yet I believe the Lord wants to come and he wants us to understand that what he wants to do is exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you've hoped or imagined. That's who he is. You know, Simeon was one who waited. He was looking and he was waiting for the Messiah to come. You know, and, 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 and we're not... Um, we know he's come, and yet we also know he's coming again. You know, a time came, he came, and he came on a donkey in humility. There's going to be a time when he's coming back on a horse. And all's going to know. And so we're still in that place of, of watching and waiting. And what do we do when our expectation has not yet been realized? Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart, what? Sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Do you know what deferred means? Put off. Delayed. I think we can quote that scripture so many times and just can't think, okay, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When the desire comes. So sometimes we're in that waiting place and we have to be very careful because what the enemy wants to do is create a sickness of our heart. But when the desire comes, it's what? A tree of life. So, you know, this week, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. This week, do you know today, like we're imagining Palm Sunday, we're, we're raising our branches and saying, Hosanna. And like I said, we know the end of the story. But then in just a few matter of days, such disillusionment came to even his closest disciples. And I think sometimes, you know, we want to get from Palm Sunday and then jump on over into Easter Sunday morning 
and not take a, a spot and look at the confusion and the doubt and the disappointment and the unbelief and the enemy. See, the thing is God wants to use your disappointment to develop faith. The enemy wants to use your disappointment to destroy you. And even the word disappointment, there's something that you have been appointed to. There's a dream. You know, we deal with disappointment every day. You might create an opportunity. You imagine in your mind what it's going to look like. You're going to invite some people over and everybody doesn't come and you're faced with disappointment. Well, you know, or maybe you go to, you're, you're ready for that meal you've been thinking about all day during the service you're thinking about where you're going to go for lunch and you get there and the food's just not quite I mean those those are little disappointments but we're talking about they were looking for the Messiah they were expecting him to come and rule and reign and all of a sudden he's dead unless what a grain of seed falls to the ground and dies it remains alone God wants to do exceedingly abundantly what we have ever hoped or imagined. Think about Mary. Matthew said, nothing is impossible with God. Think about Mary. She had heard Gabriel came and said, you're going to have the Savior of the world. How can this be? And nothing is impossible. And she knew, she knew what betrayal looked like. She knew what abandonment looked like. But I don't think she ever anticipated that she would be sitting at the cross, watching her son, God's son, die. Mary knew disappointment. I want to take an in-depth look at John the Baptist. If you would look at Matthew 11. John the Baptist, you know, and we, we have touched on this several times in this house about this, but I feel like, you know, we think about the part of blessed is he who's not offended, but I feel like before you get to offended, you're dealing with disappointment. And if we can go a little bit quicker, if we could be really honest, we all have those places. So let's just look at, at John the Baptist. He knew Jesus. He recognized Jesus. When he was in Elizabeth's womb and Mary walked in, John the Baptist leaped. He recognized Jesus. He knew his message. He kept saying, I'm just a voice. I'm not the message. I'm a voice crying, prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming. I'm just a voice. I'm not the message. He said, I'm not even worthy to, to touch or untie the thongs of, of his feet. He knew. He had, and, and Jesus came and said, no, I need to be baptized. Oh, I'm not worthy. No, it has to be done this way. And so he's baptized. John baptizes. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the earth. He knew, by revelation, he knew. Behold, Jesus comes, he is baptized, and then he comes up out of the water and says the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. 
And the voice said, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. John experienced the Trinity. He knew. And yet now we find him questioning. It came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John heard in prison, where was he? John heard in prison about the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples. And he said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Are you the Messiah? Some of the translation says, are you the expected one? Or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you see and you hear. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What was happening is that John was in a prison, and it wasn't looking like what he thought it was going to look like. And it left this room and this place for doubt, for questions, for unbelief. And then this downward spout where he's already going, okay, well, maybe Jesus isn't the one because here I am in prison and it's not supposed to look this way. Can you say, yeah, there's been places in my life, in my walk with God, like this doesn't look the way I thought it was going to look like. And it's those moments are going to come. But it's what are we going to do when those moments come? Are we going to allow the Lord to meet us in that place and to work us through our disappointment? Or are we going to allow to live in, you know, a safe zone, praising his name, but not really believing for the things he said he wants to do in and through your life? Or even, I don't know, worse, just different. Uh, I tried God. He didn't come up, and they just... Does anybody know anyone that's been disillusioned through disappointment? God didn't come through the way they thought, and now we've got to learn what do we do in the place of disappointment. Maybe it's a a child that the Lord has given you prophetic words, and you've nurtured, and you've poured in, and you've you've cared, and you've loved, and, and you know who that child is, and yet that child is not walking in who they are. Or maybe it's been a diagnosis, and, and you hear it, and you're like, I know God heals, and so he's going to heal, and he's going to deliver, and it doesn't turn the way we thought. And see, we have to be honest about these issues and talk about them, this elephant in the room, because if we don't work through this, how can we ever get out of that safe zone and believe our God? Because you know what I believe? I believe that we are to be that voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare. Get ready. The king is coming. But how can we actually do that in hope and faith when we haven't even recognized and dealt with our own disappointing places in our hearts? Just a side note, 
Can someone look up for me, Luke, I think four, real quick. Luke 4. Okay, I'm going to read what Jesus said. You tell John. Go and tell John the things you hear and the things you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf are here, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Who has, who has I think, Luke 4. Okay, Matthew, read it real quick. No, start where Jesus, Jesus is talking, maybe. Let's see here. Right here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Okay, stop. So what's being preached? Good news. Good news. Okay, what did Jesus just say, tell John? What's being preached? That tell, tell him that the, the gospel is being preached to the poor. That's it, John. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, okay. to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus had declared, he read that in Luke 4. He read that, and when he read it, Everybody, everybody's so enamored and they're like captivated by what he's saying. Their hearts are, I think their spirit was going, yes, yes. And then Jesus says these crazy things. He said, today the fulfillment of this word is happening. It was Isaiah 61. He was declaring. So he's telling John, but isn't it interesting he doesn't say, when he's saying to John, he goes, oh yeah, the, the, the prisoner's being set free. <laughs> I'm sure John was familiar with that passage. Instead he said, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Because you know what? Jesus was wanting, is getting ready to do something bigger, greater than anything John could have ever imagined. You know, John was an old, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Repent! Turn from your sins, you brood of vipers. What I, I mean, keep fruit. I mean, he's just like, oh, I mean, like if he had a Twitter account, I'm pretty sure he'd be censored. <laughs> There's one greater than me, and he's coming with fire and a winnowing fork, and he's separating. So John was expecting Jesus to come and do things a certain way, and yet Jesus had to do something completely different so that it could encompass you and I and all of humanity. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out in the wilderness and see? A reed shaken by the wind? John was shored up in his conviction. His, he was so confident, and yet it was his conviction of what it was going to look like and then it didn't look what he thought as he found himself in this prison that he began to question the very word of God, the very thing that he knew to be true. Lord God, help us in those places when it doesn't look like what we thought. 
that we would not be disillusioned and doubt. Did God really say, is he the one? Maybe there's someone else. And then all of a sudden, when you're in that quagmire, it's hard to be able to stand and steward anything, right? It's so important that we know how and what to do when disappointment comes. So if you look at Hebrews 10, What do I do when disappointment comes, when disappointment hurts? Hebrews 10, 35 to 39. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Yet for a little while... And he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of our souls. Now listen. When you ask Jesus in your life and you confess him as Lord, you are saved. Your spirit, you've been bought with a price and you're not going anywhere. But I'm going to tell you something. Our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions need to be saved again and again. And to remember, I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about so that we don't go down this downward spiral and to figure out, like, because the thing is, is that, like I said, we are to be a voice of unity, crying, prepare the way of the Lord. Not in a, repent, you brood of vipers, but in love. That song we sing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, break my heart. But what breaks yours? Heal my heart, make it clean. That we can save to eternity, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Here's some practical things. First of all, when you're in the middle of a place of disappointment, do not, I say, do not throw away your trust in God. Do not, do not throw away your trust in God because God is who he says he is. And sometimes he may do what he says he's going to do in a way different than what you thought, but he is still who he says he is. And he is committed to beginning and finishing. And if he has spoken and said it is going to happen, then you can take it to the bank. It's already done. So don't throw away your trust in God. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Got some little. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And he will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious and the year of drought, nor yield from, cease from yielding fruit. So when you're in the middle of a place where it's not what you thought it was going to be, throw your trust, throw your hope in the faithfulness and in the goodness of God. The next thing 
you can do is remember the past wins. Look at Psalm 77 with me. You know, David regularly would remember, well, I remember when God delivered me from the lion, and I remember when he delivered me from the bear, and Goliath, you don't stand a chance because the Lord today will deliver. He stirred, he strengthened himself, he remembered. Moses instructed the Israelites, you've got to remember what God's done. Remember who he is. He, and he may, not, he may not come through the way you think, or maybe it looks different, but nothing is impossible. We have to remember, remember the things that God has done. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 77. I cried out to the Lord my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. Anybody ever had their soul just refusing to be comforted? I remembered God, and I was troubled. I complained. My spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled, I can't speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance in my song in the night, and it may not just be night, it may just be a dark season. I called remembrance, my song of the night. I meditate within my heart. My spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? you ever been in that place where you're just thinking, God, are you with me anymore? See, that's the thing. It's like when things happen, maybe it is that you don't question God. Maybe you begin to question yourself. Well, maybe I should have done this, or maybe what have I done? And you're like, or you get start questioning other. Well, if they only did this. It, let me tell you something. The enemy has one tactic, one tactic accusing. <laughs> He's going to accuse God. Did God really say? He's going to accuse you. Who do you think you are? Like I had... This morning, I had to repent to one of my children a couple of times. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm to throw off. Gosh, I'm supposed to give the word. And here I'm like, needing God's grace <laughs> and mercy and forgiveness. And then it's just like right there. Who do you think you are, you hypocrite? Can we be real? In case you ever wonder, because I'm going to disappoint you. He's going to disappoint you. We're going to disappoint one another. <laughs> Because a lot of times our disappointments come from expectation versus expectancy. Expectation says it's going to be this way. I'm going to do this, and they're going to do this, and it's going to be great. Where expectancy says, no, you do what I tell you to do with hope and expectancy, and I'm going to move in a way you could not even imagine, even greater than. So we're going to be a people of expectancy, not expectation. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has he forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? Verse 10, and I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of my right hand of the Lord most high. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your works. I will talk of your deeds in your way, O oh God, in the sanctuary. Who is so great as the God is our God? Who does the, who, you are the God of wonder, who does wonders. 
You have declared your strength among the people. You have, with your arm, redeemed your people. And then the psalmist begins to talk about when the Red Sea opened and they came through. That's why it's so important to be able to strengthen our faith and remember. And then there's that word that everybody just loves so much. The last thing to do is endure patiently. See, we want the breakthrough now. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we want to live without any problems. We love comfort. Our flesh loves comfort. God loves us walking by faith. God loves us leaning on him. God loves in your weakness, I'll be strong. Endure patiently. Psalm 16, 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. Imagine if all the people of God, our flesh, <laughs> would rest in hope as we set, my God's coming through. I don't know how, I don't know when, but while I'm waiting, I'm just going to praise him. While I wait, I'm going to do his will. And that's actually the last point. Do his will, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable surface, service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and perfect will of God. I'm going to read that in the message. Sometimes it's just good to, to hear it in a, in a new way, in a day-to-day -day kind of conversation. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering kind of makes me think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew, do you, you think he knew disappointment? He did know disappointment. He, he knew that one of his disciples had already had a plan to betray him. He had pulled his closest disciples and said, could you just pray for me? They're like, we'll never deny you. He knew. He'd already told Peter. And he, he even, he 
here's the beautiful thing. In the middle of your trial, you don't have to be all religious. Well, I'm just waiting for God to come through. Cry out to him. Take this cup away from me. Find your voice in the song. I don't like this. <laughs> Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and do it quickly, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its own level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, and he develops well-formed maturity in you. I don't know. I know that John the Baptist, when he said his winnowing fork is coming in his fire, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was just simply, oh, okay, you can come to heaven. Nope, you can't. You're bad. You're like God's like looking at us going, I have to separate some things in you. And it's going to come. And it's not like God's going, hmm, I wonder what I can do to create some disappointment in my children today. Life is full of it. But he says, I will use it to form and fashion and transform you and to separate that which is good and brush away and cut away that which hinders what I want to do in and through your life. couple of quick thoughts. I believe this week, and, 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 I'm, and I'm included, I'm having to look. Because see, here's the thing. You can't really know the depths of the disappointment until you understand what your expectation had been. And then if you can go, oh, like when you said that, I thought this, and just begin to meet with God then, because what he said he's already done, but we have to come to a point where we allow him to meet us in that place and to bring us through. And good news, if you're not facing a disappointment, great. You're, you already got the tools, so when it comes, you'll be ready. <laughs> but I don't think we realize how much this is shaping us all the time. I remember when our house in Weaverville sold Sam we were driving on I-40 and he said to me you know our house is sold he's like well dream you know what, what is your dream house we could you know because we didn't know where we were gonna go and he's like what's your, what's your dream house and I this is what came out of my mouth I don't want to dream because I don't want to be disappointed how many of us are living in a safe zone praising his name but not allowing our hearts to dream because we don't want to be disappointed. The story of that, like, I had that conversation, and I thought it was done. That was just the beginning of a, a, an encounter, a journey with God that did exceedingly, abundantly, above anything I could hope, ask, or imagine to come forth. I, 
I went later on that weekend to a, I had a core friends from Atlanta. We were up in Maggie Valley, and um, I've told this story before, but I know a number of you haven't heard it, so I'm going to tell it again. Do y'all have time for a story? So I had, there was this bowl of, of dark chocolate. Like, this was like within 24 hours after this conversation, and this bowl of dark chocolate, anybody know, I love, not like in an unhealthy way, but I really like a good part of dark chocolate. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, the night, the night of, and those little individually wrapped ones, they have a little message, and, and, you, and I opened it up, and the, the message on it says, Dare to Dream. I was like, huh. And I just kind of dismissed it. The next morning, we're in worship. My core friends, we're in together. We're worshiping God. And the entire time, I'm thinking about this stupid bowl of chocolate. Which, if you know me, I love to worship. And it was a distraction. And I'm like, I, I'm not usually, like, I, I enjoy chocolate, but it's not going to pull me away. But, like, the whole time, I'm, like, feeling this pool of chocolate. <laughs> And I ignore it because I'm worshiping. <laughs> and then we finished worshiping, and one of my friends got up and grabbed a chocolate. And I thought, okay, well, maybe if I have this chocolate, I'll, I'll be able to get on with what God's doing. <laughs> so I opened the chocolate, and it says, make a list of your dream. I throw that one aside, too. <laughs> I'm slow. <laughs> So then, 24 hours later, we're still together, and um, evening, and I put a chocolate, open up, it says, there's no excuse not to dream. I burst into tears. I did. I'm like, Wah! And they're like, I'm looking, I was like, it's chocolate. <laughs> God's speaking to me, and I don't want to, I don't want to dream. I didn't even realize I had disappointment. I can't even tell you where I had come to come to that conclusion that I don't want to dream because I don't want to be disappointed. I don't know where, I don't even know what the root was, but this thing was real. So we moved, we were in this temporary place, and a friend of mine doesn't know, she's not there, like my women friends that came around, like clearly I'm having this moment about chocolate. But <laughs> yay for godly friends that can like meet you in those places. <laughs> And um, we moved. We put all of our stuff in storage. We were in a temporary place. And a different friend comes, brings me a gift back. At the, and, and so come on, we got on the porch, and I, was just, I felt like I was supposed to get this for you. And so I, I open up, and there's this bathrobe. I feel like you're just being in the season of rest. Okay. There's a bar, a huge big bar of dark chocolate. And there's a journal that says, dream. I'm just like, I cannot get away from this. So then, three months later, we're still in this temporary place, and I, I'm not sleeping well that particular night. And I, and I had kept hearing the Lord say, I want you to make a list of your dream. I, want, I was resisting him. Do you, does anybody ever do that? Like, I was, I did not want to make a list of my dreams. It was really frustrating. And, finally, and like, I kept hearing whispering, you know, I was, like, not writing in this journal. I keep hearing this whisper. And so finally, and I hear the Lord say, this isn't, like, a, it, this isn't just, like, an invitation or, like, hey, here's a good idea. I want, you're, like, borderline disobedience. 
make a list of your dreams. Okay, so I get my journal out. It has a roof, the house, and make it a list. Four walls, floor, running water. No, not in my dream house. I'm not being specific. And the Lord's like, Eliza, I want you to make. A, what do you like? What do you want? What do you dream? And so then I go, okay, like, I don't understand this. Okay. Brick. I think I'd like a brick house. I think I'd like a master on the main. We had four kids at home. I, I think I need a little bit of separation from all that. <laughs> Hardwood floors. If I'm dreaming, on a cul-de-sac. I start writing it all day on. And I put it in a piece of paper, and I'm like, God, I don't know why you're having me do this. Like, this doesn't own me. Like, I don't really care. I just want, you know, as long as it's, like, functional, I'm good. Like, it scared me to dream. Put it in an envelope. Well, I don't have time to finish, but let me just say this. Exceedingly abundantly, above and beyond, the house we're in had everything I'd written on that piece of paper except for I put a trout stream for Sam. Sam told him, the Lord told him, this isn't your dream, this is her dream. <laughs> I don't think I'd see my husband if we had a trout stream on our property. <laughs> you know, trust in the Lord, Psalm 37, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. And what? He will give you the desires of your heart. And it may not be exactly like, oh, I'll take a you know, red sports car. No. <laughs> but it's like, as we begin to cultivate in his faithfulness, goodness, our heart desires line up with him. I'm going to read this last thing. Oh, this week. Just some random things. I feel like the Lord said he's going to be coming and visiting and washing some feet this week. He said, there's some, their, their feet have gotten a little dirty from the journey. Just, and here's, once again, he wants us to have expectancies of encounter with him. He wants to deal with disappointment this week because he wants us to begin to dream again, step in again to the things that he has for us individually, your families, and collectively this body and the body of Christ. Communion, intimacy, when you're going through this week, I encourage you, read the story from Palm Sunday through. Go on the journey and just say, Lord, is there any, like, not even, like, is there disappointment? Show me where the disappointment is. Would you meet me in there? Would you help me to shift from an expectation that's not been realized to expectancy that you want to do above and beyond anything I could hope or imagine? I'm going to close with this. This is something I came across this week by Christine Kane. We often miss the adventure that God has before us because we get stuck in the disappointment behind us when people 
or life have failed us. We move on in years, but our life often stops at the point of our greatest disappointments if we don't go through them. We either go through what happens and manage the disappointments well, or they manage us. Despite how we feel, all the disappointment in the world will never change the promises of God, the reality of Jesus, or his destiny for our lives. None of our broken dreams, personal heartaches, or shattered plans will stop his desire for us to fulfill our purpose. Yes, the disappointment is real. Consequences can be devastating, but to keep moving forward, we have to learn to be resilient. We have to learn to trust like a little child. We have to learn to manage our disappointments well so we can, again, be full of renewed hope. Has it ever occurred to you that if you'll revisit your disappointment, God can give you a new perspective of it? And that it can be considered and become a tool for others to help others. That you can take what he gives to you and pass it on. Consider Paul's word in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to God our Father and Lord Jesus. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Has it ever occurred to you that God has a new trajectory for you getting into your destiny? Disappointment is a place we pass through, not a place we stay. God wants us emotionally engaged in living in his purposes, living in the moment, fully alive, hopeful. He wants us to let him restore our hearts so that we can keep moving forward and fulfill his good purpose for our lives even when people and life have failed us. Would you stand? Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.